podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Celtic State of Mind, you are joining us for the full-time reaction to the Scottish Cup tie between Celtic and Greenock Morton. Celtic victorious with a 5-0 victory, um, a goal uh, in the second half from Aaron Moy to add to his penalty in the first half and the other three goals, two from Furuhashi and one from... Oh, see, I knew I would do this and forget who the other goal was from. Who was the other goal from? Your boyfriend, Davy Turnbull. <laughs> Davy Turnbull, how could I forget? How could I forget? Oh my God. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining me, Lawrence and Jared, for the full match roundup. Lawrence, I'll come to you first. Um, you talked at halftime about how we were never really out of first gear. Didn't really require it for the second half either. Um, that one goal in addition to the four in the first half really signifies that. Yeah, yeah. Uh... You know, it's low, low league team. It's what we should be doing, you know, uh, against teams like this. Comfortable 5 0 win. Good to see Awata get minutes. Uh, it looked tidy. Didn't mm-hmm. have a lot to do, but it be, looked tidy enough. Uh, yeah, absolutely cruised the game. The penalty didn't get was more of a penalty than the one we did. Uh, for the record, I don't think either was a penalty, but it was definitely more than a one of a penalty than the one we got. Stephen Sloan says exactly that. The Ambrose handball in the second half was more of a penalty than the first half one. Just shows how abysmal our Baron Baron referee is. I'm going to come to you on that one, Jared. My personal opinion, I don't even know if I completely understand the handball rule as it is currently implemented, but my suggestion would be that you take intent out of it completely and you just say, if it hits your hand or if it hits a part of your body you're not supposed to use to hit the ball and you gain an advantage from it, the other team should get a penalty. So even though Ambrose goes down, the ball hits his rear hand, there's no way he could have done it on purpose. My opinion would be that's still a penalty because he stopped the ball from going across the goal. Is that an unreasonable stance to take? That's your opinion. That's what That's what this is all about. I agree more with Lawrence to me. I don't think that was... 
a penalty. I don't think either of them were penalties tonight, but well, today for you guys, tonight for us over here in Australia. Don't get that but, wrong, yeah. Jared. Don't get that oh, wrong. I don't want to see the, the comments light up again, but yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't think either of them were penalty, to be honest with you. Like, basic biomechanics on that one is, okay, he's falling down. His hands are behind him because he's bracing to fall. The ball rolls and hits his hand. Like, it's not like he deliberately did it. He's not in an unnatural position. Like, I don't see as a penalty. But at the end of the day, the referee got that one right more, probably more as a, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let you guys off because we butchered the first one. That's probably the only thing I can see here. The inconsistency is the standard of refereeing. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, it's it's something that really needs sorted out because, Lawrence, is it, is it too much of a stretch or is it too much verging into conspiracy theories to suggest that maybe the referee thought that's more of a penalty than the other one but I'm going to not give it because I shouldn't have given the one in the first half? Do you think they think that much about it or is it just based on reactions to individual incidents? Definitely didn't take as much time to make that decision as the first one. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got to know they get the first one on, but you know the second one's it's like more appeal. I wouldn't have given it, but you could have seen what the player's fallen, his arms extended away from his body as he's fallen down. So it doesn't need to be deliberate. That would be a penalty. But why the refs not giving it? I, I mean, I wouldn't have given that thing, but the law could have given that one. I don't, I don't think by the law the other one should have been. You know, it's reflected up on his arm at a short distance. But do the refs take any account? To be honest, Scottish refs, I have no idea what they take into account <laughs> when you watch the decisions that happen in Scotland uh, from one week to the next. I mean, I highly suspect that sometimes it's the colour of the shirt of players wearing, but yeah, I've absolutely no idea after watching those two penalty decisions. And the one that definitely wasn't a penalty for me, not being given, and the one that could have been given, not given... Uh, uh, you know, and these guys have been through training and get paid a grand a, a game to be this bad. Yeah, how would take... like to be that bad at my job and get paid for it to be perfect? <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. Um, I have to say, I, I read um, Howard Webb's autobiography a few years ago and he did suggest that there is an element of that that comes into your decision-making. It, it depends on things that happen earlier in the game and whether you think you got the decision right and that it shouldn't affect future decisions, but it naturally does because we're all human beings. But as you say, Lawrence, that's that's Howard Webb talking, a guy who was good enough to, to referee at World Cup finals and the like. Uh, that's certainly not the level of refereeing we're talking about, so, so it'll be interesting to know if that would be the case. Um, Jared, I'm going to come to you on this one because it's your countryman. You followed him closely, I'm sure, throughout his career uh, in European football. He was outstanding for you at the World Cup. And I have six comments waiting, six of a multitude. Uh, Scott Brotherson says Aaron Moy is bloody outstanding. Joe Hamilton says Moy was bossing it. Um Brother t- Scott Brotherton again says slow burner Moy is becoming our best player. Daniel F says love watching Moy. Thought Ambrose handball in the second half was more of a pain than the first one. And Ben five one five says Moy definitely deserved his goal. He was outstanding. Um, opposition notwithstanding, Jared. I mean, he basically dictated the game, didn't he? Today, the the pace of it, the. The way in which we worked, he really was the the one pulling the strings, which is 
no mean feat when you've got people of the calibre of Callum McGregor in the midfield with you at the same time. I'll use a, uh, an old saying. He was the metronome running our, running our whole thing today. Just like everything went through him. And he, yeah, as you said, he controlled it. He kept the ball going, recycled it when we needed it, pushed forward when he needed, especially on that last, on his goal at the end there. Gets himself in a good support position. But then early on in the half, he was sitting deeper and allowing Awada to get on the ball and get settled and, you know, figure out what what it was all about. So, yeah, he's a um, very intelligent player. I had my doubts on him when we signed him originally, not for the skills of the player, but more for the fact on how was he going to fit into Ange's system. That was what my my issue was. He's fit in better than I thought he would have. And, yeah, he's doing doing really well. Been our best player for the last he, – he's pretty much been one of our best players since the World Cup. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, the, the World Cup must have given him a massive confidence boost. How could it not, given the way that he played? Um, Lawrence, did you foresee this with Moy when he came in? Did you think he was being brought in as a kind of squad player, somebody to fill gaps when he was required? Did you anticipate that he would become such a vital cog in the machine as it seems he's going to become in this second half of the season? So I, I definitely thought he was being brought brought in for a squad player, but it was really up to him to sh- to show that you know, what he could do. Is he a vital cog? I would say probably only vital cog in our team just now is Cal McGregor. Everybody else, I just built a squad that is anyone really vital? You know, we, we, we can swap players in and out. I didn't think he'd have this big a, a, of impact, but, you know, he got his chance to show other players what you need to do. If you deliver on the pitch, you know, it's down to merit whether or not I, you, you know you keep it in the, the match day team. So, yeah, Moyes definitely surpassed what I thought he was going to do. I thought, you know, it was a low-risk signing. It's a five, six million pound player for free. I just knows him. Yeah, I thought squad player and see what he does. So he's definitely done a lot better than I thought he would do. I think you've definitely hit the nail on the head with that. Is any player really vital? I mean, we've shown we can play without McGregor and Carter Vickers. Um, so if if they're not vital to everything that we do, then I don't think anybody needs that tag. So it's it's really interesting to see. Um, but uh, JJ Celtic says, let's not forget it was only Morton. Come on, guys. Half time we were getting told we were too down on it and now you're telling us we're getting too excited about it. I don't know what we need to do here, but... Um, but Jared, it, it was a, it was an interesting second half in terms of we saw a lot of Awata, a little bit of Lawal. We'll start with Awata. Uh, what was your overall impression of him? Obviously, come on, he can play in defence. Uh, I think fullback he quite often gets deployed at. But um, today he came on for Captain Callum McGregor and played that that sitting midfield role. Um, saw a lot of people banding the word tidy about a lot. Are you encouraged by what you saw from him in that second half? The less I, I notice him during a game, the better if he's playing the number six. That's the way I judge it. Same with the centre-back pairing. And for the first 15 minutes he's out there, I barely even noticed him. And then I was, we were talking about it while watching the second half. And I was like, okay, let's um, actually have a look here. And then when you're keeping an eye out for him a bit more, there was like three straight goal kicks by them where he's not the biggest midfielder and he's winning headers that the centre-backs are normally having to come up, take two or three steps up to win. He's the one 
you know, headering it off to his guy out on the right or the guy on the left or whatever. And then the ball just kept moving and off we went. So once I started noticing that and I was noticing, okay, his positioning is great. He's getting on there, a few good support runs up to the top of the box. If there was cutbacks available, he was there. I'm like, okay, solid player. To me, he looks like he fits right in, but he's still got to get his fitness up. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think the fitness thing is still a bit of an issue, as we would expect it to be. But the more appearances like the one today that we see, the, the less that will be an issue. Lawrence, your thoughts on Iwata? Um, we've been crying out for a player to, to strengthen that part of the squad, particularly when Idiguchi hasn't really worked out, Abelgaard hasn't really worked out, um, McGregor can't be the only one that we rely on. Are you, are you pleased with, with the option we've got in Iwata to, to fill that role? Yeah, it, it, it looked good, but the viewer said it is only Morton. We weren't under a lot of pressure, but he looked tidy. He was often up for passes. He won a few headers. You know, he comes with a, a great reputation. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased that he's just absolutely slotted in. He fits Andy's system. But I suppose that's what Ange does, isn't it? He, he gets players that fits his system. So, should we we'd really be surprised that he, he's just slotted in? Probably not, but yeah, it looks like you know, he's going to be a decent option. But again, it is just Morton. We were cruising the game at the time, so. But looking forward to seeing more of them and uh, against higher level opposition. Yeah, um, a, a, an interesting appearance that I saw, and I know he's had a few injury worries and things like that. That's probably contributed to the lack of appearances he's had, Jared. But. Haksabanovic came on um, in that second half uh, and there was a bit of shuffling up front. He went to the left-hand side. Maeda went through the middle. James Forrest later on was a straight swap for, for Abada. So so there are options up there. But Haksabanovic, for me, I was very excited by what I saw of him when he first came into the club and he doesn't seem to have taken it on to the next level. Am, am I being harsh there or do you think there's still a vital role for him to play at Celtic? No, I think he's, um, first of all, he's our player, so that's always a positive. Like, we actually signed him out, right, not alone. So, yeah. Ange wouldn't have done that if he didn't see there being a position for him long term. Now, is Ange thinking long term? The option is he plays on the left and we move Dazen into the centre forward position, like he plays for Japan. Maybe that's the thought. But for me, if he's not, if that's not what the plan is, then. He's behind Maeda and he's behind Jotter on the left. So he's third string. And a player of that quality is wasted as a third stringer. So I see him, he's a quality player. And I like when, I like his game. I like the directness, the skill he's got. But, yeah, it's just a matter of how's he going to fit in when everyone's fit. It's going to be his biggest issue. Yeah, I'm just going to um, bring up some comments that we've got coming through. So, um, Stockroom Tim says, Awata looks confident. He was pointing where to put the ball for the lads around him and showing for the ball, which is always encouraging to see. And um, Wayne Brown says, Awata looked decent. Another few weeks of work will do him good. Um, it's a bit of a strange one here from Sam Hain Scott. says... Why, why are we crying out for another six? Cal Mack will come back in the team and had literally played the most games in world football in the last few years. I think that's a strange take, Lawrence, because like touching every bit of wood around me that I can find, I hope nothing happens to Cal McGregor. But as we're seeing with the striker position in the in the team, 
You cannot rely on somebody who's been as reliable as McGregor to continue to be that reliable going forward. We we have to have that other option, don't we? Yeah, it kind of goes back to what we're talking. We can't have him being vital, you know, having no other option that can just slot in and replace him if he's injured. It doesn't look like he's ever going to lose form, Callum, but, you know, it could happen. You know, if you could throw a bad patch, we might want to put something that change it or. I think what both of us want is we might even push him further forward and see a return mm. to the, to, to the you know, number 10 in position for him. I don't know. We, we definitely need an option there. You, you wouldn't want just one player for that position. And you don't want a big drop-off in standard in your options, do you? You know, you want somebody to push him on somebody as close as we can get to him. So, you know, Abelgaard, not a player, you know, he's on his way out. We sold Scott Robertson. He's... You know, the, the other six, it looks like Gucci will go. So that's going to leave us James McCarthy, Calmack and Awata. So, yeah, I, I think we needed somebody to come in that's going to be close to Calum and push Calum on even bigger heights, hopefully. You know, it's a bit of competition for Calum. Maybe Calum needs to find another level or two in his game. You know, he's got high standards, but hopefully competition pushes those standards higher. And it, it looks like, you know, as we say, he was shown for the ball. He was playing what he, what he wanted to do. He was tidy. He just slotted in. It looks like it's going to be a good signing. One, you know, which wasn't a lot of time against a low-level position. It's not huge to, to judge him on. But he's come over here, you know, reputation being the best in Japan. So I think it was important to get somebody in that's going to push McGregor on. How how long can Callum play 50, 60 games a season for? Who knows? You know, he is getting older, but... It just seems a machine McGregor, but yeah, I think it's important that we've got cover in that position. I don't think Abelgard was it. I like Scott Robertson, but you know, miles away from where Callum was, and also they've sold Robertson on. So yeah, I think we did need to bring him on number six in. And much like Angie's team, we don't stop. I don't think the scouting department stops either. If Angie sees a decent player that's available that he can bring in, I think he'll bring him in. Yeah, I think those are all fair points. Um, just to pick up on on that that you were saying about McGregor and the, the potential for him to be moved a bit further forward, Jared, Lawrence and I have both said that that would be an option that we would like explored further because I think as much as we were praising David Turnbull for being a goal threat, Callum McGregor could be as much of a goal threat if he was allowed that further forward role. He's been, in some ways, kind of a bit hamstrung by by the responsibilities bearing in that that defensive midfield role. Do you think Iwata's arrival could could indicate that that Callum McGregor will get played further forward, or do you think it will be a kind of either or situation between him and Iwata moving into the second half of the season? I think it'll be horses for courses. It's just going to depend on the matchup who we're playing because mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. At the end of the day, like some against Rangers, you're going to, you're going to play him in the six without a doubt in Europe, you're going to put him there. But when you're playing against a St. Mirren or someone like that or an Aberdeen or whatever, if you can play a wider there and put him a step forward, it'll make your midfield more dynamic. So why not? 
But as we're saying about needing to bring in at number six as well, the thing for me is how old is he now? Like 28, 29, something like that. I don't know how old he is, but does he? do we want his career over by 32 by playing him 50 to 60 games a season? Or do we want him to play to 34, 35 and have that longer long longevity at the club? I'd rather have him around longer because he's he knows the club inside out. So if that's the case, you've got to bring someone in. So if he only plays 40, 45 games a season, it's a big drop-off for him. And if it chips away further, then great. Yeah, I think that I, I think that's a fair point that you make because I think that was a, a major criticism of, that I had of the way that Scott Brown was used in the last few years um, at the club. He was certainly relied on a lot more than he should have been for the age he was getting to and the fitness level he was getting to. I prefer to see players of that ilk being used more in the way that, that James Forrest is being used at the moment, uh, sparingly but effectively when he is brought in. Um, and, and although Callum McGregor's a couple of years younger, you would like to think that that is the way that his career is going to go if he's going to stay at Celtic rather than him being run into the ground completely and you know, potentially... Um, being retired before his time, as you say, but um, nothing to indicate that's going to happen at the moment. Um, don't want to wish our lives away as far as that's concerned, um, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, moving on a little bit from the from the game today and looking ahead, we've got um, three matches between now and the 5th of February. Um, we've got Dundee United away in the Scottish Premier League. We've got Livingston at home on Wednesday the 1st of February, again in the Premier Scottish Premiership and then St Johnston away from home on the 5th of February again in the Scottish Premiership Lawrence I'll come to you first how how realistic and how necessary is it for you that we do more business assuming as we all are at the moment that both Yakimakis and uh, Juranovic will not be part of the squad come the end of the transfer window Juranovic I think we've already got his replacement in Yakimakis looks like they're going to get one of the Korean boys, uh, I'd like to see another striker come in. I'd like to see his bring to it. Uh, I, I think it's a risk letting Yakimakis uh, go. You know he brings goals. So what happens if Kyoko gets injured, goes off form a bit? Where, where are you turning for your goals? Or you want something different off the bench? Who would you be bringing in at the moment? You know, if Yakimakis goes, would you promote Joey Dawson up? It's a big jumping level for him. Although, you, you know, Last season he was unlucky not to score against St Johnston, but yeah, we definitely need to bring in our striker. And I'd like to see him bring in two. Over and above that, I think you know Tosh and Tino will be looking at, at across the markets, looking for young players with potential, someone that can add something to this. Uh, so I guess you never know if they identify somebody that's they, they think's good enough and adds the Celtic, they'll bring them in. But yeah, definitely up top we need, we need to bring in one if not two strikers. Yeah, I think I think that's fair to say. Do you agree with that, um, Jared? The, the the striker issue for me is the is the pressing one at the moment. Not least because although we can swap things about as we did today, if you lose Furuhashi, you've got no out and out striker. Um, that's that's fair to say. You said that at half time yourself, and and I think Furuhashi is the type of player who he can't go. 50%, 75% at it. He will go 100% at it, but that can lead to injuries. It can lead to other situations that 
that may mean that we're without him for certain portions of the second half of the season. The, the, the striker, whether it's one of the Korean strikers we've been linked with, whether it's Kevin Nisbet, as some people are rumouring is the case, it's got to be somebody in the door that, that is a proven goal scorer and, and can replace uh, Kyogo in this system, isn't it? Yeah, for me, I, I always thought we needed an extra striker this window, like a third-string striker. That's what we were talking about on our podcast for a bit. But that was going to be the hard thing, like how are you going to bring in someone and sell it to them? Like, Kyogo is going to play most games. Jack and Marcus, you might come on here and there to come in and play some striker. It's going to be a hard one to to fill that position. Jack and Marcus moves on. We bring in a guy from Korea. Great. That's a like for like. He's more mobile, the guy we're linked with. Can score goals with the head. So, and his stats don't really add up right. Like people look at go, oh, he hasn't scored a lot of goals, but he played as a winger. And when he was doing his military service for two years, he was playing in the military league. So some of those games weren't quite at that level. He's 21 years old, the guy we're linked with. Great, get him in. But then, as it, people are saying in the comments, promote Joey Dawson into that third striker role. Yeah, we've Could got Megan, Megan Lewis that. saying that. We've got Kaiser HTTC bringing bring one promote Dawson. So, yeah. like you say, is that yeah. a realistic option for you? Makes sense because, as I was saying, it's a third striker role. How are you going to feel that? It's a tough one. So if you bring Dawson up and he trains with these guys as your starters and can get to that level for the, the league, as long as he can do the job in the league, I don't need him for Europe. I need him to be able to do the job if need be. So there's an interesting one in the comments. Nisbet straight swap for a jetty. I I completely forgot we even still had him on the books, even though he's... So I saw that comment. (laughs) So uh, there you go. Maybe he's going to come in and have a flourish of a second uh, spell at Celtic. I doubt it, but but who knows. Um, Lawrence, what do you make of that? potential option. We saw Megan and Kaiser HTTC talking about it in the comments. Um, um, Jared's picked up on it. Joey Dawson has been around that Celtic B team scoring goals. Um, We've seen the effect of a good run in the the B team for somebody like Boston Laval getting his chance uh, in in the senior team. Is that an unrealistic player to rely on or is that not maybe for you the the whole point of the B team that in situations like this we have a a, a well to del- delve into. Well, you, you know the point of B team is you know, to produce players for the first team. So yeah, we'd love it if it was a striker. Would we be relying on a third strike, third choice striker? I, I don't think it's a case of relying. On. Is he good enough in an emergency? I guess you only know be playing him, but. Uh, it's a huge risk, you know. Yakimakis go every night, seven minutes. We're going to settle him. Who knows how the Korean boy is going to settle? So, yeah, I, I wouldn't put him up just now. Just at, at this stage, I'd like to bring in somebody a bit more experienced, or you know, break the bank and get Champions League quality striker. Somebody that really puts pressure on Kyogo. Going, are you sure you're starting? Right? Because I'm going to be taking a spot. You know, it wasn't that long ago you had Larson, Sutton, Hartson. You, you know that, that that's kind of I don't think we've got a striker of any of their qualities just now. And I think that's what we need to be looking to get somebody up there that's going to do Champions League and put, you know, challenge Kyogo for the starting point. Because although, you know, Gigi was never really going to start 
over a season in front of Kogo, was he? He, he no. was very much the second choice striker. And I, I think we need somebody of the quality that's going to put the pressure on Kyogo. But the South Korean boy signs, maybe he, he's it, he's 21. Who knows? But yeah, Joey Dawson, just now, if I had the choice, would I bring in Nisbet or would I promote Dawson? I'd probably bring in Nisbet. Yeah. Matt, can I just jump in for a second? Something you said there, Lawrence, about Sutton, Hudson, Hudson and Larson there. And then, and then you look at it and go, okay, last time we had three quality strikers at the club in a row, my opinion, Dembele, Edward, Griffiths. Mm-hmm. We had those three. Edward wasn't, was the young guy developing behind those two. We need that young striker developing behind the other two. Yeah. So that's what I was saying about bringing in that third striker, whether it's promoting Dawson or whatever. I'm not saying Dawson is going to be an Edward, but I'm saying that's the sort of production line, sort of mentality we need to have at the club. So we need to get a striker in to replace Jackamacus, but at the same time, the other guy in that third role, whether it's Dawson or whether it's some young player coming out of an academy that we can develop as well, that is the pathway and the production line that we need to be building. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, it might be worth our time talking about strikers. It might be worth our time trying to get sad cases like Mr. Smith in the comments, some friends to talk to. Um, listen, if you're going to waste your time coming onto a stream like this to throw abuse at Celtic supporters rather than stick to whatever reprobate club it is you support, uh, then feel free to waste your time. It's only your time you're wasting. Um, Lawrence... Juranovic is going out the door. He's headed for Union Berlin. He's been linked with everybody between Monza and Barcelona and everywhere in between. I have to say I'm pretty struck by the apparent desperation either of Juranovic himself or of the club or somewhere in between for him to to get out the door. And I find it hard to understand what do you think are the reasons behind that? Is it, is it, is it just a case of as we were talking about during the game, um, you know, a potential, uh, you know, that he wants a, a last big move at twenty eight years old? Is is there something deeper rooted um, at the club that he's he's wanting to get them away from? Um, wh- why do you think he's so desperate to get away? I, I think it. It's purely money, you know. It's surely not because Ange didn't give him that day off he asked for, but <laughs> I think it's a payday, you know. He's 28, Celtic's the biggest club he's ever paid for. He obviously thinks he he's worth more money uh, and someone else is willing to give him more money. So, he, you know, maybe he's... I think it's just money. I don't think there's anything else. I don't. He doesn't seem to be speaking out in the press or you don't hear any rumours about him. Not, you know, applying himself. So I, I think it's just simply money for them. You know, you get footballers that, that, that do put that there. Will Union Berlin be a better move for his career? Well, I doubt he'll get Champions League football, but so he's not he's not moving, you know, to do, do better in Europe. So I think it's just money. And, you know, that's up to him. He's 28. He's maybe, what, about four or five years he's, he's thinking left, but he can earn good money. And he wants to go, oh, listen, he came in, he done well. The worrying thing is we're not getting quite as much money as we thought we'd get from him. And he's probably not getting the level of club he thought he was going to get 
you know, because as you said, he was likely everybody, you know, Barcelona, and now he's, uh, yeah, Union Berlin. Let's good luck to him. He came in. He's done okay for us. We move on. We, we make a wee bit of money on him, and you know, we're ready to get his replacement in the door. So, yeah, good luck, Jura, but don't let it door hit you. something that we probably could learn a little bit from some other clubs um, Jared in terms of just because a player wants to move on doesn't mean we have to um, think negatively of them uh, in leaving I think we can look back positively on his time at the club and the success and trophies he's brought to the club without resenting him for wanting to to maybe earn a little bit more money play in a slightly higher standard league or, um, or something of that ilk even if we don't completely understand the choice that he's made is that fair to say, or do you think there's anything more behind the move than than it appears? I think it's fair enough. Like at the end of the day, it's all about for me. I say it's all about Celtic. Like I supported this club before these players were born, so mm-hmm. it's not going to change anything for me. I'm still going to support the club no matter which players are there. So if they want to make a move and move on and do whatever for their career, so be it. I'll support whoever comes in to replace them, support the manager and know that we're going to be building something and doing what's best for Celtic. A club like Dortmund, for instance, you look at them, look at the constant churn and turnover of players they have and the levels they keep playing at. I know they've got a deeper budget, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. I get it. But it's the sort of thing where they have players come in, like Shinji Kagawa, for instance, was sold to Man United. They brought in a replacement. They went to the next level up. The same thing happens with Salzburg. Haaland moves on. They bring in someone else and they're still doing well in Europe. It's like yeah. if those clubs can understand it, at the end of the day, it's a player's career and it is a bit of a business. As much as we want, we love the romanticism of football, sometimes once you get to that point where it's like players will move on but the club is the constant, then you're fine with it. You just deal with it and you get on with it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's fair enough. We 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 shall see. We wish him all the best. Hopefully he, he thrives in whatever new environment he's in and we move on with the options we have in Ralston and Johnston for the time being, who I have to say I'm not in any way disappointed with uh, to be moving forward. Um, that is the end of our coverage for today. It was Celtic 5, Green at Morton. Now we move on to the next uh, round of the Scottish Cup. Um, don't forget to join us for the weekly Axon Bulletin every day, Monday to Friday at 12.30pm on all your usual platforms. Give us a like on this video. Give us a subscribe if you haven't done already. It's completely free of charge. Um, we'll see you during the week for the um, for the bulletins and for the match coverage over the next few weeks as the games ramp up towards the end of the season. Lawrence, thank you very much for joining me. Jared, thank you very much for joining me. And we'll see you all again very, very soon.
mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Fast Twitch, the new energy drink from Gatorade, is here. And it's powering fast starts for athletes in every arena, like NBA All-Star Zion Williamson, WNBA champ Kalia Copper, and MLB superstar Francisco Lindor. With 200 milligrams of caffeine, electrolytes, and zero sugar, Fast Twitch is the new go-to for on-the-go energy anytime you need to turn up the intensity. Available in six refreshing Gatorade-inspired flavors. Grab Fast Twitch in the energy drink aisle at a store near you. Sports Social Podcast Network.